When you're not in that state, your body can't digest food properly. Your functions and your systems aren't operating properly. If you if you're burnt out from stress, you know you get adrenal fatigue. All your stress hormones are off. You're not absorbing your foods. So you've got nutrient depletions. Your mind is going bonkers. You literally can't heal from that state. And so I realized that the missing puzzle piece for a lot of people is they're doing all the things. You know, they're taking all the tests and the supplements and and that might be all well and good, but without that missing piece of a nervous system that believes it's safe and safe enough to thrive and to function properly, you're never going to experience deep healing, balance, joy, playfulness, those emotions that come from being in a calm, grounded state. Sarah Kneebone is a certified holistic health coach and breath work facilitator. She's the founder of Mojo Health Space, and she combines dietary and lifestyle optimization with deep emotional healing practices to help busy, tired women, hello, uncover the root causes of their symptoms, reignite their energy, and get their zest for life back. Her motto I help you heal and unleash the vibrant, thriving woman within. Who does not want that? Her podcast is More Mojo, and her signature online course is I've Got Hashimoto's. Now what? Sarah Nibone, welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. It is so wonderful to have you here. You're a mama. I'm a mama. We both have crazy toddlers running around the house, and we both have Hashimoto's. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Can you share your Hashi journey? As practitioners, we typically get on this path because we either had Hashimoto's and we got to the other side, or we've helped women get through their Hashimoto's journey. So can you share your journey? Yeah. So I'll try and keep it relatively brief because as you know, with Hashimoto's, there's usually all these different factors. I was relatively healthy when I was younger, but then in my teen years, I started going out a lot. I really put my body through a lot. I was a bit of a party girl. And then I went into a corporate career and basically just like worked myself to the bone. I was like a slave to my boss, essentially. I ended up not noticing that I had a kidney infection because I was just so disconnected from my body and basically just spread to my blood. I ended up in hospital with sepsis, septicemia, blood poisoning, and I was on a drip for a week. I didn't even know what it was, but I Googled it and it was like one in three people with this die. And like most people will get like organ failure and it can happen within hours. And so that was like a really big wake up call to be like, there's stuff going on with my body and I have no idea. Like I'm just completely ignoring it. After I got out of the hospital, well, so my first call when I was in the hospital was to my boss. So that was that wake up of like, okay, my priorities are all wrong. Something needs to change. And then when I got out of the hospital, I just kept getting ill. Like I think a lot of people with hashis will relate to this just getting ill so easily, getting so many infections, sinus infections, colds, flu, just run down. And I kept getting UTIs every single month and I would go back to the doctor and they'd put me on more antibiotics and they would say, you know, it's just what women, it's just what happens with women. Like, this is normal. And obviously I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Something we'll talk about later is Hashimoto's personality traits or whether they are a trait or not is up for discussion. But, you know, I've always been very type A, very like, I'm going to make it happen, a very hard worker. And so I was just not going to take that as an answer. And so I knew nothing about holistic health before, but I ended up kind of getting into it, listening to different podcasts, reading different books, and basically listened to a podcast with somebody with Hashimoto's and was like, this sounds exactly like me. 
So I just went to my doctor and requested the antibodies test. Fortunately, they'd explained about the antibodies test. So it wasn't that whole journey of like just TSH and not getting the diagnosis. So I was fortunate with that. And they didn't want to test me because I wasn't old enough. I wasn't overweight and all these other factors that they assumed I must be. But they did it. And it came back that I had antibodies. So that was the start, really, you know, getting that diagnosis. I remember just running out of the doctors and bursting into tears in front of all these construction workers. I think they thought I was bonkers. And, you know, I had to go through a grieving process because I had all the typical things said to me, like, you know, you're going to have this forever. It's just going to get worse. There's nothing you can do. You just got to take more and more medication. And as I mentioned, being type A, I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to accept that. So after I kind of was angry and sad and shocked and all of that. I started working with a naturopath. That was my first step. Started working on my gut health and my diet. I learned about the autoimmune protocol diet and basically just realized that I needed to take ownership of my own health and I needed to figure out why this is happening. Like I've always been a person that needs to know why. And I think that's been a big part of being able to heal. And that's what I try and teach other people. I know you do too about the root cause approach and being like, why is this autoimmunity happening and what can I do to stop it? So I just went on this big root cause. So a functional medicine doctor, I did detoxing protocols and tested for different infections and candida and all of the things that I know you also talk about too. Just got rid of some of those things that were causing problems. I got Hashimoto's into remission. I studied to be a health coach along the way because I was, I hate corporate <laughs> and I want to do something I'm passionate about. <laughs> And then I got into remission and then the problem was that I had my baby and it kicked everything really? back out again. My TSH went crazy. I also had COVID twice. I had postpartum depression. It was COVID. It was lockdown. I just had a load of family issues. And so that was when I started learning about the emotional side of healing, which I will probably go on to talk about later. But yeah, that's the majority of my hash story. <laughs> When you think back to the original diagnosis, because I, I have a theory for myself, I'm like, okay, this is what was the top two triggers. Do you have in your mind, it was a stressor of the corporate job and something else that maybe were the main triggers? Because there's, right, there's so many triggers that kind of yeah. fill the cup overfloweth. But in your mind, because you and I both believe in like a holistic root cause approach, is there something that comes to mind like, oh yes, this was definitely one of the main triggers? Yeah, I think there were a lot. You know, like when I go through the list of things I know our root causes now. I'm like, right. So I had parasites and, you know, all these things. Yeah. But I do think what set the stage largely was the way I used to eat and drink and push myself. So it was like the stress, the gut health. That's what allowed autoimmunity to kind of start. That's what caused nutrient depletions. That's what caused the chronic stress is what caused my adrenals to be struggling. And, you know, it becomes a bit of a cycle. But I think the thing that kind of just pushed it over the edge was getting so sick and being on so many antibiotics to the point where I remember my naturopath being like, you don't have any bacteria, full stop. You have no good bacteria. <laughs> I think she said it was the worst gut, like stool test she'd ever <laughs> seen. But I did have one last year and they said this was a different naturopath that it was the best one they'd ever seen. So I feel like we've made some progress. <laughs> uh, there is light at the end on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's interesting because a lot of women who go through pregnancy, first year postpartum thyroiditis is very common. Mm -hmm. Usually medically it resolves after a year, but a lot of women still experience symptoms, don't get diagnosed with Hashimoto's maybe as soon as they could. And a lot of women don't know that 
pregnancy is a stressor on the body. Yeah. And then hormones get thrown off, the stressor taxing on our thyroid, just the energy to create another being. And I think you talk about personality traits as type A, the perfectionist, hard on yourself, the overworker, and I am the same. How I think of those traits and I think of the process of pregnancy and afterwards <laughs> yeah. is like the ultimate letting go. Like there is no amount of type A in your child that's going to get them to do what you want to do if they don't want to do it. There's no more, okay, I want to work harder and push harder to like get this pregnancy to the finish line. You know what I mean? And it's really yeah. the ultimate letting go. Yeah. It's like the best self-development you could ever have having a child. <laughs> like the best and the hardest. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the problem is like when you're younger, you can, not that you should, push yourself to these extremes because your body can cope with it at age 20. You know, I was diagnosed at age 24. But like all of these things are adding up over time. And then having a baby, it's like you said, you know, the hormonal shift, huge. You know, the mental, especially with COVID and isolations and lockdowns, depression and anxiety. And then you're dealing, you've had all these physical shifts. And then you're dealing with this child that is so loud and won't get off you and you can't figure out what's wrong with them. And so like emotionally, that is so draining and taxing and overstimulating. And then mom guilt comes into it. That is strong. It's so intense. And I think the other factor is that moms are so focused on their kids that they're not thinking about their own health. And even being a health coach, I was not practicing what I preached for that first year. I was just pure survival mode and did kind of none of the things or not enough of the things that I would usually do and kind of have in my toolbox to support myself. And so things just got more and more out of balance. And, and then you add in things like breastfeeding and how that depletes your energy and your nutrients and things like that. So it's just coming at you from all angles. <laughs> and I mean, especially raising that child through COVID where the idea of it takes a village to raise a child, but the village is not congregating because it's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Is like a next next level. You talk about those personality traits, the perfectionist, the type A, are mm -hmm. actually trauma responses or patterns that things that we haven't worked through. Can you speak to that? Well, the work I was doing on myself, because I really dove deep with holistic health beyond kind of food and diet and everything into the more spiritual side of things and emotional side of things. But also just when I was seeing one-to-one -one clients, I noticed that every single woman I was speaking to with Hashimoto's all had those traits. Every single, and it's always a light bulb. Like, that's me. And I used to actually be like, it's a Hashimoto's personality. And then through the work I did learning about, um, learning about trauma, big T and little T. So for those of you who don't know, like big T trauma can be like sexual abuse or like something really physical abuse, like a one-off event. And then little T trauma, everybody has this in different ways, but it can be bullying or a bit of infidelity or a divorce. It can be moving country. It could be. Even things from your childhood that don't seem as bad or maybe you didn't pick up on or register as traumatic, but it can be things like a parent who was inconsistent or wasn't there for you emotionally or who used kind of old school disciplining techniques so you often felt shamed or ignored or even just parents who were really focused on performance and academic achievement and that made you feel like you need to be better all the time. And your self-worth doesn't come from just being you. It comes from what you can do and achieve. And all of these things add up to you having those traits because you're like, right, well, I've got to do better and I'm not good enough as I am. And that leads to the perfectionism. And because you don't feel good enough about yourself, you'll become a people pleaser because you're trying to just keep everybody else happy so that they'll like you and they'll love you. And I realized that a lot of people with Hashimoto's 
have been through some of this stuff that has formed them in this way, you know, potentially they have an insecure attachment style, more anxious attachment style. And so that's why they're doing these things. And then when I learned about all of that and its connection with the nervous system, I realized, you know, even if you're not going to look at this from a spiritual perspective, which would be that mental attack that you're doing on yourself every day, that berating of yourself that you're doing is it's happening through autoimmunity too. Like your body is attacking itself. But if you look at epigenetics, Bruce Lipton is a great resource on this. Your thoughts literally create your reality. Your cells respond to what you're thinking, believing, and the emotions that are running through your body even if it's subconscious and you're not aware of it because it's little things that have added up and it's chronic stress and you're used to it. That's another problem. Like you're just running around. I think Dr. Libby Weaver describes it as the rushing woman's syndrome where you're just running through your day, trying to take everything off the to-do list, trying to keep the family happy. Like you take no time for yourself. And if you do, you feel guilty about it. You're literally running around in fight or flight mode all the time. And then you get to with hashies, your body can't cope. So then you get a flare and you get burnout and exhaustion and you're frozen. You're not able to access the parasympathetic state of the nervous system, which is rest, digest and heal mode. And so when you're not in that state, your body can't digest food properly. Your functions and your systems aren't operating properly. If you bur- you're burnt out from stress, you know you get adrenal fatigue. All your stress hormones are off. You're not absorbing your foods. So you've got nutrient depletions. Your mind is going bonkers. You literally can't heal from that state. And so I realized that the missing puzzle piece for a lot of people is they're doing all the things, you know, they're taking all the tests and the supplements and, and that might be all well and good, but without that missing piece of a nervous system that believes it's safe and safe enough to thrive and to function properly, you're never going to experience deep healing balance, joy, playfulness, those emotions that come from being in a calm, grounded state. And I just realized that for so many of us, including myself, like the nervous system piece is really the missing piece of the puzzle. And becoming a mother is what made me realize that because I just couldn't do anymore. <laughs> that I had to fix that to come back to balance. For the Hashimoto's moms who are listening to this podcast, who, you know, that first year of life, I just remember don't kill the kid. Like just, <laughs> just like, don't like, just keep the child alive. Right. Cause you're worrying yeah. about SIDS and if they're in the carrier, can they breathe in your chest? Like everything is such a, a heightened response. Yeah. So the moms who are like, okay, I just got to keep the baby alive, putting aside probably what they could prioritize and are really thinking about maybe their nervous system health. What is mm-hmm. one thing they could do that would be super simple, accessible, to take care of themselves? Well, there's a couple of things actually I'll mention, but first of all, breathwork. So I'm a facilitator and I actually learned about breathwork after having my son Jackson, because like I said, I just couldn't cope. And I ended up training to become a facilitator because it was so powerful. Like everybody has access to their breath and that's what I love about it. I find that really empowering. Even stuff like doing breathing patterns where the exhale is longer. So if you're the kind of person that's just running around in fight or flight, you'll probably notice you're actually holding your breath a lot. You're just breathing from your chest a lot. And it's so important to breathe into the belly and through the diaphragm and then do long exhales because that activates that parasympathetic state. A couple of techniques you could try are box breathing. And this is good because you do breath holds at the top and the bottom. So you count four on the inhale, hold for four, four on the exhale, hold for four. And this is really calming to the nervous system. 
and easy to remember because you just picture a box. And the rhythmic breathing calms your system. Another one that's really good is four, seven, eight breathing. So in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. So obviously with that one, you've got the extended exhale. And this is really good for anxiety. This is really good for helping you sleep because again, it just slows your system down and it also gives you something to focus on. So if you are that kind of person that has a really busy brain, then often meditation can be hard. And then you just beat yourself up because you're like, oh, I can't make my brain be quiet. <laughs> Whereas it breath work, got something to concentrate on. And it helps you drop into the body and out of those kind of chaotic thoughts. Another one that's really good that you can Google as well is you can do different vagal nerve massages. So you can actually massage the inner bit of your ear. If you just rub the inner bit of your ear in slow circles, you probably quite quickly notice that it relaxes your system. And if you just do that with deep breaths for a couple of minutes, it's really, really calming. So those type of practices can be good if you're about to go into a big meeting or if you're trying to sleep or just anytime you notice or you know that you're going to be in that kind of fight flight state. And really it's like exercise, like I'm sure you advise your clients, it, it needs to be like little and often to really train the muscle. It's almost like training a muscle working on your vagus nerve. And over time, you can build your nervous system's capacity to tolerate stress and recover from stress faster. So the goal is not to not experience stress, right? Because it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. I think there's a narrative in our culture of like stress less, do more, stress less, de-stress. And I always thought it, it felt very confusing. I'm like, well, stress is going to happen. Like, yeah, I could try and de-stress all day, but I'm walking down the street and almost get hit by a car. Like that cortisol is our motivation hormone. So instead of the thought process of don't stress or de-stress, what would you encourage someone, like, how to wrap their mind around stressors? Yeah, I think it's quite freeing, even just the way you've described that, you know, like you can't avoid stress. And if you spend all your life trying to avoid it, it's actually probably going to stress you out more because a lot of this is external, like things happen to you. So it's about having practices that, first of all, it's about dealing with any trauma or stresses in your life, being able to process them and move through them. So not numbing out from emotions or pushing them away. Maybe that would be through therapy, but I found what helps me is somatic practices in the body. So you don't actually have to revisit that trauma verbally and just keep talking about it. A lot of people don't even know that they've got trauma because it's been buried as a protection from your body. So things like EFT tapping can help, EMDR, the rapid eye movement. Breathwork is also really powerful as a body-based technique to move through emotion. And I do sessions like that, which are more activating to process emotion. And then you've got the daily tools, like the parasympathetic activating tools. When you do them consistently, it trains your nervous system to be able to switch between those modes. So if something stressful happens to you, you will react to it, but you then have the tools to bring yourself back to calm quicker. It's easier. It's like a less painful process. And so life just becomes more joyful and more balanced and you end up feeling more grounded and happier because it almost becomes like an addiction to the drama, like an addiction to the adrenaline that you're running through life with. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we all want more joy and more peace and it will help you with that. How do you know? When you've gotten to the other side of processing trauma, because coming back to that baseline of rest, digest, the calmness can maybe sometimes feel similar to a numbing feeling. How do you know if you've done the work, you're thinking, okay, I've processed the trauma. What does it feel like on the other side to know 
like have I processed a trauma? <laughs> with numbing, it's like an avoidant energy. Whereas yeah. with healing and without the other side as you're fed to it, I mean, no one's perfect. Everyone's still going to have triggers. Everyone's still going to have new stuff that's happening to them that they've got to face. So it's never like a trying to get to an end goal situation. You actually feel more presence, whereas with avoidance and shutting down, you're actually pushing away any feeling. So you won't have the positive feelings either. If you're not willing to face grief and those quote unquote negative emotions and anger, for example, a lot of women don't feel safe to express anger because society's told us that's not what we should do. And if we do it, then we're acting crazy. <laughs> when actually, if you get on your bed and scream into a pillow because you're angry, you will feel so much better afterwards. <laughs> but the result is that you feel present. A lot of people who are, have PTSD or complex PTSD, so that's with small T trauma, they will find that they can go for a walk, but they're not present. Like you're not noticing the birds singing. You're not noticing the sound of the leaves rustling. You're just like on your phone or thinking about something else. Whereas when you can use these tools to come back to that balance, that rest, digest and heal mode, and your body starts operating properly, you'll find that you notice those small things and you have more joy in the small moments, which is at the end of the day, what life is all about. Yeah. Why is this so important with someone with Hashimoto's, right? Like everyone should be doing this work. Yeah. But especially with an autoimmune condition. Yeah. I think the reason why it's such a big deal is firstly, because a lot of us are these type of people that have been through this type of stuff. So we've got these issues they need addressing. And secondly, because obviously with autoimmunity and thyroid issues, it's so connected to other systems in your body. And so you might be aware that you need to work on your adrenal health, you need to work on your gut health, and these different aspects, but none of it will slot into place properly until you've addressed the nervous system. And so that's why I'd like to think of it as like this missing puzzle piece. A lot of people will find that they reach healing plateaus. You know, they went gluten-free. And that's made them feel a bit better, like they're less bloated or whatever. But then they're just like, I don't feel great though. It's still hard. I'm still tired. You're stuck in these cycles. Like I said, of like chronic stress, chronic stress, push, push, push. Okay, now I'm exhausted and I can't do anything. And I feel really guilty about that. Okay, so I'm going to like work out really hard and beat myself up. And like, if you're in that loop, then that's a sign that you need to do this work. So it's like, you've got a fragile system anyway. And you've got generally a few different issues going on. And so in order to enable all this other amazing work you're doing, like with what you do with exercise, in order to enable all this to happen and work better, you need to be in this rest, digest and heal mode. Because otherwise this work is not going to have the same impact, the other work you're doing, and it's not going to have the same effect. You know, you could be throwing thousands of dollars down the drain on a functional medicine doctor, but your heightened stress response is not allowing any of those supplements that you've just paid all this money for to actually be absorbed and work. So it's kind of just like, it's a really key puzzle piece. And so I advise it to anybody who is, I just can't feel better no matter what I'm trying or anyone who just can see themselves in this pattern of like the rushing woman obsessed with the to-do list, drained, angry, irritable. They're the signs. <laughs> so where does this healing come in in the Hashimoto's hierarchy? Would this be applicable for someone who maybe just started thyroid medication, is living in a moldy house, has brain fog, like would they benefit from this kind of work? Should they clean up some of the things that might feel more tangible and then do the work? 
I think that's a good way of putting it. Honestly, you will benefit from doing this from the beginning and it will support everything else, as I mentioned. But I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, and like I remember this feeling of desperation, I don't think if somebody had said to me, do you want to go process your trauma? I'd have been like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like in my course, it's the last module. It's like, let's attack some low-hanging fruit first. Like let's go gluten-free, for example. The stuff that is more tangible and easier to kind of wrap your head around. Not that it's easy to give up bread. I mean, that was hard. But <laughs> I do advise to maybe not tackle it right at the beginning because it, it can be heavy. But in terms of the simple practices like breath work to calm your system, I mean, that's, that's an easy win. That is a low-hanging fruit. So it depends what part of it you're talking about. And it also depends on the person. Everyone's open to these things at different stages. And, you know, I've had a lot of one-to-one clients who come to me and they just want to focus on food. But then by the end of the program, they're doing the trauma work. So <laughs> it depends how open to it you are, you know, how much you can reflect on yourself. And yeah, so it's really bio-individual, I think. Yeah, you don't have to do it first if it feels really overwhelming and you can do it in small amounts as well. I feel like especially the breath work, very easily integratable, especially, you know, a lot of Hashi ladies, we lay down, especially if we have adrenal insufficiency and we're tired we're exhausted we've been dragging all day but we're wired that tired mm. wire using that breath work you're literally laying down <laughs> you're trying to go yeah. to sleep you could do box breathing or something along those lines to not only calm the brain but to help put yourself to sleep definitely such good information where can people find you yeah so my um instagram is the main place i hang out so it's at mojo health space and i have like in my link in bio i have links to freebies like i have an aip budgeting and meal planning guide i also have a podcast called the more mojo podcast so you probably just understand from my name that like i'm all about getting your mojo back so it's interviews with women who some with Ashley, some without that have overcome obstacles in their life to, to thrive. And my company is basically all about getting your zest for life back, stepping into that woman that you once were, that you lost, and an even better version, and just getting your energy back, getting your like happiness, excitement, passion back. And I think that's what so many of us with Hashimoto's feel like we're missing out on. Yeah, I'm usually over there. I also have a course, an online course. And this is like a six-week course that takes you through a whole blueprint of how I put Hashimoto's into remission, how I help my one-to-one clients do it. And it goes through from the beginning, going through the grieving process and all of that to like diet, practitioners, medication, testing, career, lifestyle, everything outside of food as well as optimizing your relationships, detoxing. And then in the last module, we go into all of the emotional healing, the nervous system, breath work and all of that. So it really is kind of the whole package. That's the main place where I'm working with women at the moment with Hashis and all those links are on my Instagram. I have started a TikTok, but I just think I'm not Gen Z enough for it. <laughs> just dive right in. Dive right in. <laughs> I love that spin and we'll include all those links in the show notes, but I love that spin of more mojo because I think sometimes getting diagnosed can feel so heavy and then the journey of testing and stool tests and more stool tests and urine and blood draws yeah. and all the things and then protocols and binders and saunas can feel really heavy. And so sometimes I think women being type A perfectionists kind of like put our head down and charge through when really the goal is to feel more joy, to feel lighter, a breath of fresh air, to feel like ourselves again. So I love, yeah. I love that more mojo spend on it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It was so wonderful having you on the Average Strong Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been brilliant. 
If you enjoyed this episode or even learned just one new piece of information to help you on your Hashimoto's journey, would you do me a huge favor? Rate and review Thyroid Strong Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you used to listen in to this podcast and share what you liked. Maybe you learned something new. And if you didn't like it, well, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Dr. Emily Kybird. I read and respond to every single DM. I truly believe all feedback is good feedback, even the ugly comments. If you're interested in joining the Thyroid Strong course, a home workout program using kettlebells and weights, where I teach you how to work out without the burnout, go to dremilykybird.com forward slash TS waitlist. You'll get all the most up-to-date information on when the course launches and goes live, special deals and early access bonuses for myself and my functional medicine doctor friends. Again, dremilykyber.com forward slash TS waitlist. I hope to see you on the inside, ladies. 